Good evening, everyone. My name is uh, Ramon Nicolito and... Damaris, hi! From the Staten Island Ministry! Uh, we have a privilege to be able to uh, share with you guys tonight. Um, and of course my hands are numb from clapping. Um, no, but, but that means that was a great worship, so amen, amen. So, um, and I'm also nervous. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Um, but uh, we're here to share uh, one of the Beatitudes, as uh, was mentioned, that the theme for tonight is uh, Connected to Heaven. And the theme that we're going to, or the scripture that we're actually going to share is in Matthew 5, verse 4. And the Bible reads, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so we get to share about this. Now, mind you, we are not pros at mourning. Just throwing it out there again. Uh, but we do have some uh, experiences and uh, life uh, challenges that uh, we want to share with you guys because God did bless us through our mourning and comforted us. So I'm going to have Demar share. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, thank you. Good evening. Um, when they mentioned about this, the thing like how connected, uh, how I'm connected to heaven and, and feeling God's comfort and. It's a lot within the idea of the mourning process, and like what we mentioned before, it's, I'm definitely not pro at it. Um, a lot has happened within two years' time. Uh, I, had, I had a sister, and I'm going to get emotional again. I had a sister, and her, you may have known her, she was a, a sister disciple for 24 years. She was part of the West Justin ministry. And she, she would be the kind of person where, okay, she'll find someone in the grocery store, like, hey, would you like to study the Bible with me? And, like, she'll say, like, oh, we're having a family, you know, devotional. And she was an amazing, amazing person. She did Bible talks. She brought a lot of the Spanish disciples over. Um, she was a teacher, passionate about it. And she passed away on, on Wednesday, June 29th, 2016. And I realized that after everything that's happened. I spoke to, I had a therapist, I had other people helping me within the process, and I spoke to my therapist like, hey, <laughs> uh, where's the manual? Where's that magical manual that I could find? And she's looking at me like, Maris, there's no, there's no process, there's no actual step-by-step -step of doing the morning. And it's, I realized that each person mourns differently. I didn't realize that first. I'm like, whoa. I didn't, for the longest time, I was looking and trying to figure out, like, okay, how can I get rid of this heartache that I'm, I'm feeling? And through the loss, a lot of people tell you, okay, there's like five processes. There's grief, denial, anger, depression, bargaining, acceptance, and then repeat, and then repeat. And through that, all that reality of it is that there's no sequence, there's no direction, there's no focus, there's no clear step. And losing a sister is like a sharp pain. I don't know if you feel like this, that, that dagger in your heart. And there was moments when I couldn't sleep. I had a hard time breathing during the, the day that happened. Feeling fearful, anxious, um, getting worried that somebody else will pass away. I was very traumatized by it. And through that, I found a lot of comfort and I leaned on God for that support. It wasn't like that in the beginning. I was very pissed off by God. I was angered and, and telling him, like, why did you take her away? You know, she was perfect in my eyes. But I realized that through that process of two years and understanding that 
I, she was my, my anchor, but then I realized when she was gone, when that prop was taken away from me, I realized, okay, that's why I was able to find God in reality. I didn't realize my family goes a lot of codependency, and when she was gone, I, I didn't realize how much of a codependent we were of that. Um, through that process, that helped me to be real with God. And it, at that time, it was just being upset. And two years after, it helped me to realize, like, no, God's there. And sometimes you don't see it because you're, you're fogged by so much of that. And finally, it took me two years' time. But finally, I was able to to find that comfort. And what helped me with like to, to write that closing for you is these two amazing scriptures that helped me with that process is Isaiah 26, 4. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Um, and then the last piece was on Ecclesiastes 3, 4. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And it's time to dance. Thank you. Amen. Uh, just like she said, uh, everyone mourns differently. I know for me, um, I lost my father about 13 and a half years ago. I was a teen at the time. And the uh, thing about mourning is that I didn't know how to mourn. Uh, all I know about mourning is crying over, you know, being emotional or feeling that, that pain. And uh, comfort is something that I was looking for when I was going through that pain. Uh, what was interesting, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie called uh, The Shack. And um, it's pretty much a movie about uh, this father losing uh, his daughter. And he had an interaction with God. And so... They were doing things, and then one of the scenes, he asked God, you know, where were you when I needed you the most? Where were you when she was taken away? And that was a powerful question, question God, you know. And I had similar questions to God when I lost my father. I was a teen at the time, and growing up as a young man, it's hard not to have a father. You know, I needed guidance. And so when it all happened, I had questions. God, why did you take him away? Why? You know, this is so unfair. You know, I was focused on my own pain that uh, I was looking for God's comfort. You know, I was looking for comfort on different things, different uh, stuff. You know, I was tempted to um, find my comfort in... Uh, Alcohol, but I realized I have allergic reactions to alcohol, so I'm the the rare kind. So that didn't work out. So you know, once I start drinking, I get itchy and red. I'm like, this is not comforting at all. And then I found video games. I love video games because it gave me an alternate reality where I can be someone who's strong, someone who can overcome challenges, you know, killing monsters, fighting people, and I, I'm someone who's, I'm not in here, but it was a fantasy, not a reality. 
you know. Uh, at the time, also, I started working and then going for college. And so I was trying to basically put myself in situations where I could be preoccupied so I don't have to think about the pain. But still, that doesn't work. And even I dove into, just being real, dove into impurity. Born in masturbation. That was my comfort. Even pursued an impure relationship. Now, but thank God for His love. His blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. See, uh, I didn't realize at the time when I was asking those questions, you know, when I thought that God was unfair. I was being unfair to God because I was asking the questions, but I'm not letting Him answer to me. You know, that scene that I shared about earlier, um, you know, when uh, He asked, where were you, uh, you know, when I needed you the most... God's reply was, when all you see is your pain, you lose sight of me. And that was basically what I was focused on. I wasn't looking at the comfort that He can actually bring, the healing that He can actually give me, provide for me. And so I was so grateful for the brothers and sisters that basically shared and lived the scripture to me. In Psalm 34, verse 7 to 18, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. It was so hard to believe that at the moment because all I was looking at, I was focused more on my pain. But then I had to realize that in order for me to get comfort from God or to get the comfort that I need, I need to cry out to God. You know, I needed to learn that uh, the brothers, the sisters that was actually trying to spend time with me all through that time, all through that time, it was them reaching out to, so that I can actually be open and really express. Because I was just shut down, even though I was spending time with people, I was in fellowship. I was just like completely shut down because of the pain that I was uh, keeping inside. But slowly talking to them, spending time with them, you know, that's the comfort that I needed. That I, I could just be open of what I'm feeling even though I was resentful to God I was able to cry out and after prayer that's when I feel the pain I mean, feel the peace you know when I really cry out to God and even small stuff that like a hug can even make me cry Um, I remember I had a traumatic experience where I had uh, went to a car crash or a car uh, yeah I was in an accident basically total my car and um, just a disciple Raquel over there uh, we were in hospital and for me I don't know how to handle my emotion but uh, as she got to the hospital and she saw me she can tell that something was just all she did was just hug me and after she hugged me you okay and I just broke down because so, many, so much time I, I keep my emotions in my sleeves when God is just asking for us to cry out to Him. You know? And uh, I had to realize that the fellowship, that the comfort that God is willing to just give is right there, is around me. The fellowship is right there. You know, all I have to do is just be open and talk to uh, the brothers and sisters. So I just want to encourage everyone tonight, if you're visiting, some of you probably have gone through the mourning process. You know, in this scripture, you know, bless those who mourn, for you, they will be comforted. God's comfort is what you need. You know, I know that there's a lot out there that can comfort you, 
But God's comfort is definitely what we need, what you need, and that thing that will heal you. And also for everyone, brothers, sisters, uh, everyone who's a disciple, I just want to encourage you, you know, people around, and some in our fellowship might be still mourning, that you can be God's comfort through them. Amen? I thank you. Hey guys, uh, my name is Diana Cruz, and I'm a part of the Long Island Ministry. Uh, so, very happy to be here. Uh, but today, I have been given the opportunity to talk about being a peacemaker. Um, so, I wanted to start with a scripture, Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, this is kind of a subject that is uh, just not really in my character. It's uh, not a part of my, just, I guess, pre-Christian character. Um, So, a little background on me. Um, I was in the Queen's Ministry. I was converted back in 1999 uh, of April. So, to all my Queen's folks, thank you. but I was actually married and baptized on the same day, um, which is crazy, but yeah, that's how it happened. Um, I am of half Puerto Rican and half Korean descent, uh, so you can imagine that having like that peace mentality, if I feel disrespected, it's not like my second nature. Um, but um, the long story short, I wanted to share about an area in my life that I think a lot of folks can relate to. Uh, that is relationships, love, uh, breakups, uh, for some in this room, divorce, and uh, the aftermath of all that. So I'll fast forward you 13 years later after the conversion and baptism. Um, me and my ex-husband only lasted about a year uh, in the church, and then we fell away. And the remainder of the 12 years, we uh, were in the world. So you can imagine that when you are in the world and you are young um, and you do not have God's standard, it is a challenge. Um, so we were actually separating and um, he was living separate from me and um, it was kind of just a nightmare and um, you know at that time I remember being so emotionally detached you know and you, I know a lot of folks can understand that feeling um, but at that simultaneously because God is always working um, I was being reintroduced to uh, God's uh, church and uh, just a relationship with him um, so I was actually uh, studying with a very mature sister in the Long Island ministry. And um, when you start studying, Satan is like, oh no. <laughs> we are going to throw every obstacle, challenge, and problem at you because you are a little too close. So I remember at the same time, uh, my ex started dating and, uh, yeah, I know, you know how that is. You're like, you're like, already? <laughs> you know, right? So, and I, I remember, you know, and it's like, I didn't care, but it was just my ego. You know how it's like, whoosh. Real stuff, that's, that's real stuff. So, long story short, um, 
I remember going to my mailbox and I got a letter in the mail from Geico. I'll never forget it. And I open up the letter as I open all my letters and I see another woman's name, another woman's car, but my address. So I was like, oh, did he do this? <laughs> Is this on the auto policy now? You know, I was like, oh my goodness. So then it's like a domino effect. Um, then that same day, he pulls up in the car that my mother had given to him with her in the front seat. Oh, you know, Satan was like, so I was like, oh my goodness. I ran into the lawn. You know, this is my Puerto, you know, my ethnic side coming up. Right? I had the insurance cards in my hand. Yeah, I was in the lawn of my Long Island home, screaming, yelling, threatening her life, saying everything under the sun. But the worst part of all this is that my children were watching. And God was watching. Now, I share this nitty-gritty detail with you because I need you to understand exactly where I'm starting and beginning and the severity of that situation. So then, of course, the plot thickens. It's like, oh my goodness, she gets pregnant. A novella. My life was went from normal to like a normal, right? And then like Maury Povich, but real life. So if I even discuss the bitter and the anger and the rage and all the things that were in my mind and heart. So fortunately, the sister I was studying with was a 30-year disciple. Very wise. You know, you know those sisters that like they walk into a room and then wisdom like it beams up. Like you can see the Holy Spirit on their skin and you're like, wow, you know, it's like amazing. Um, her name was Claire and she's since moved to Tennessee, but um, I'm just so grateful for her. So I'm going to give her a quick shout out. Um, but fast forward nine months, I'm starting to get closer to God and you know, he's digging into my heart and, you know, I'm just learning about what it really is to be a disciple all over again. And um, I remember that after nine months, she was uh, giving birth. And, um, of course, you know, regardless of what happens, that is going to be the sibling of my children. I have two children. My son is 19 and my daughter is 14. Um, and um, I drive to the hospital and I drop my kids, but you know how hospitals are, like you can't just drop them, there's like so much going on, so I'm like, I'm going to have to go upstairs. <laughs> I go upstairs and I'm at the door of the hospital and this woman had given birth and I remember at the corner of my eye, uh, I see my ex-husband, his new girlfriend, but I see the newborn child. And I don't know if it is just God's infinite wisdom or if it was just because he was working at my heart or if it was my maternal instincts, but that face was identical to my son. I, like, there, like if I did a side by side, you'd be shocked. It was amazing. Um, and then there was a need for supplies. Um, and it's like I didn't even think twice. I went straight to Walmart. 
I picked up a baby carrier, a bathtub, bottles, blankets. Because at that moment, it did not matter who that was. It was about need and that's a human life. So long story short, I package it up, I make sure it's wrapped because I'm the ex-wife and people get, you know, so I was like, let me make sure it's all sealed, right? And so I put it in the hospital room and I just leave it there. But the look on her face, because after you give birth, you are exhausted. Any help is like so appreciated and grateful. And the look of humility and gratitude and compassion that she had, like I'll, I'll never forget it. So that was the beginning of our unity in our family, our blended family. So after that day, you know, we developed, I started to get to know her, and we developed mutual respect for one another. We created healthy boundaries so our children could be together, grow up together, be influenced by one another. And, um, you know, after probably about two years ago, I recommitted uh, my life to Christ. So I was actively going to church. So I was like, hey, you want to go to church? <laughs> and then surprisingly, she was like, sure. <laughs> so, you know, for those in my ministry, they saw me, my ex-husband, his new girlfriend, her daughter, their son, my kid. It was like, we were rolling deep. <laughs> So, and, and I'm not going to, you know, every, you know, in that time, it was, it was encouraging for us, but it was also encouraging for others that were struggling with that. Because when you are in relationship hurt, it is a deep, deep-rooted thing that you're trying to dig out, you know? So people would come up to us and ask, hey, how do you guys get along so well? And the only thing we could say is, it's God. It's God. It was a physical, tangible view of what happens when you do it God's way. So, I wanted to share the scripture before I close. Um, it is Luke 6, 32, verse 33. It says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. I've learned that, and, and I learned at the time, how to be a peacemaker. I also learned that we need to look at every single person from a spiritual perspective. In the end, being a peacemaker isn't always about you trying to resolve someone else's conflict. Sometimes it's about resolving your own conflict and the example and impact that that makes for others. May God be the glory. Amen.
I just heard somebody say, oh, you got a laptop up here. It looks professional. <laughs> but in all honesty, I don't have a printer, so. <laughs> so it's all facade, you know? It look fancy, but I'm not that fancy. Uh, let me try to fix this thing real quick. <laughs> I'm tall, so I'm always adjusting the mics up here. Alright. If you guys don't know who I am, my name is Greg. I am from the Long Island Ministry. Amen. And I am here to talk about all the Beatitudes, actually. When I think about the Beatitudes, and I think about it's a way for us to be connected to heaven. You know, when you take a look at it, Jesus was trying to help us to connect closer to heaven. He was giving us nuggets of information, of things to inspire us, to, to be able to be prepared to be with God one day. So, I want to take the next few minutes to go over the Beatitudes and to uh, just really just grasp the surface of what Jesus was saying on that day. So let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew 5, starting in verse 3, it reads, Blessed are the pure in spirit, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way you persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's take a look at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? You know, when I think about the word poor... I think about lacking something, not having the necessities of life. You know, I looked up the definition of poor, it means deficient or lacking something specified. You know, without God, we're poor. We don't have anything without God. You know, when we understand how poor we are, 
it allows God to be bigger in our lives. When we understand how poor we are, we realize the need, how much need we have for God. You know, I think about just walking around the streets, I work in the city, and, you know, we see the poor everywhere in Manhattan. And they'll do anything. They'll, they'll beg, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll sing you a song, they'll, you know, dance for you, just for a little bit of money. But when I think about us being poor, like, do we go out of our way to beg God for what we need? Or do we act like we don't need Him? Guys, are we poor? Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. You know, Ramona Damaris did a great job sharing about what it means to be, what it means to mourn. You know, for, for me, you know, I want you guys to ask yourselves, do we mourn for ourselves when we fall short? Do we get upset when we sin? Do we get upset when we don't change? Are we sad? You know, I think, when I think about mourning, you know, everyone can think about just mourning where it comes to losing a life and, and being able to grieve and, and to focus on that. But we can also mourn our mistakes as well. You know, if we learn to acknowledge and reflect and learn from our mistakes, then God will surely carry us and comfort us. You know, God will always be there right by our side when we fall short. He's ready to pick us back up. He's ready to let us know we can do it. He's, he's right there. He's here to help us. But do we mourn when we fall short? Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know, when I think about meekness, you know, a lot of people think that's a weakness. That kind of rhymes. Meekness, weakness. <laughs> but it takes a lot of humility to be meek. Let's take a look at another scripture here in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verse 2, it reads, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Are we humble? Are we gentle? How do we approach people? How do you handle conflict? Do you listen to people when you handle when you're in conflict with someone? Or are you always like, nope, they're wrong, that's not right, they're wrong, I don't want to hear it, nope, nope, nope. Or do you listen to them? How is your humility this evening, brothers and sisters? You know, it's not a weakness to be meek. I think it takes a lot to be meek, actually. <laughs> It goes against human nature. You know, we always want to fight. We always want to, you know, prove we're right. We always want to, you know, we're at the top of the food chain. We're on top. But can we allow ourselves to take a step back? 
Let's take a look at the next one in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled. How are your quiet times going? Are you spending quality time with God consistently? Are we feeding our souls each and every day? You know, if we're not feeding our hunger for righteousness, then we can't be ready to receive God's gift, which is heaven. You know, I think about reading the Bible and praying. It's, I look at it as a relationship. So I'm like, this is going to be the man I'm going to spend my eternity with. And if I'm not reading, if I'm not connecting with him, how am I expect to be with him for eternity? You know, we, it's got to start now. That relationship starts now. You know, reading the Bible, God's talking to me. Me praying, you know, I'm pouring out my heart, I'm talking to God. That's how it's going to be in heaven. You know, we're going to be together. But if we're not doing it here on earth, what makes you think we'll be able to do that in heaven? We got to do it here first. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You know, it's easy. Is it easy for you to forgive? Or is it easier for you to hold a grudge? You know, we need to forgive one another. You know, it says that, you know, in Colossians 3. Let's turn there. Colossians chapter 3. Are you guys with me? Verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We ought to forgive one another. How dare us not, how can we say that we can't forgive somebody if God has forgiven us? You know, we would not be here without that forgiveness. You know, it's important for us to, to extend that love to one another. It's important for the world to see that we can drop the hurt, that we can drop the pain, and that we can move forward. And that, you know, we can forgive someone if they do us wrong. Verse 8. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Do you have a pure heart this evening? You know, as singles living in this world in 2018, it can be very challenging to remain pure. You know, when we're not being pure, we don't see God. We're seeing that guy or that girl, but we're not seeing God. Do you treat each other with absolute purity? Brothers, are you respectful to the sisters? Are you respectful? Do you build them up? Do you build their character? Do you encourage them? Sisters, are you respectful to the brothers? <laughs> 
do I see here? <laughs> Are you respectful to the brothers? Do you believe in them? Do you believe that they can lead you? Do you believe that they can protect you? Do you trust them? How about dating couples? Do you treat your significant other with absolute purity? What do people see on Facebook? Do they see you always tugging up on your boob? How about, how about when you're going on a double date or something, you can't keep your hands off of them? What example are you setting? Are you setting an example for other singles who are not dating yet? Or are you just too much into that person that you don't even see how God can use your relationship to glorify Him? Now we need to make every effort to be pure. Now I know it's hard, you know, but let's get open about it. Of course, brothers get open with the brothers and sisters get open with the sisters. Amen. <laughs> let's see the pure. <laughs> Let's go to verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I love hearing Diana's story. It's just such an amazing story, just how she was able to make peace with her ex-husband and, and his wife. And, you know, I think about, like, do we seek peace with one another? I think about living in New York, New Yorkers, the last word we think about is peace. <laughs> we're always on the go, we're always angry, we're always, you know, bumping into each other, you know, like I'm thinking in my head, like move out the way, I'm trying to get to work. But do we have peace? Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 verse 15 It reads Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts Since as members of one body You are called to peace And be thankful Are you at peace with every relationship you have? Is there that person that It's hard for you to make peace with? I know for me, um, so just a quick story, uh, I got baptized uh, when I was uh, 14, uh, I've been a disciple for 17 years, and um, shortly after I became a disciple, my parents got a divorce, and I remember growing up, I had a great relationship with my dad, um, it was it was great. I mean, we shared a lot of, like, we always watched sports together. You know, we're both huge Knicks fans. You know. But you got to think about it. Back then, the Knicks were, the Knicks were always in the playoffs. They, they would break my heart. But, 
you know, my dad and I had that bond. I remember, you know, the 94 finals when they lost to the Rockets, like, I ran and I cried. But my dad comforted me, you know? <laughs> and I will never forget that. Yeah, I had a great relationship with him. Every Sunday, he would, he would take me and my younger brother to McDonald's. And I was like, yeah, so I'm going to get a happy meal and, you know, excited. And I had a great relationship with my dad. But then, once my parents got divorced, I kind of felt like my dad was pushing me away. And it hurt a lot. Um, I think since then, our relationship has never been the same. Um, I've been bitter. I've been angry with him. You know, it's uh, it's hard. You know, I felt like I wasn't wanted anymore. Um, and I know that I still need to make peace with him. You know, yeah, we we still talk, but. I still, I still feel like it hurts. I still think about it. And I know I need to extend that olive branch to him. Um, even though, however, how he would take it. Um, but reading the scripture, it convicted me. You know, it's like, man, am I at peace with everyone here on this earth? You know, I don't know how much longer my dad has to live. <laughs> he's, he's getting up there. But I, I want you guys to think about who's that one person that you feel like you need to make peace with? Who's that one person you need to extend that olive branch to? I want to challenge you guys to do that. Let's do it this week. Let's give that person a call. And that includes me as well. I mean, I, I want to call my dad. I want to share what I've been feeling and I want to definitely work on our relationship and you guys can hold me accountable <laughs> Facebook messenger Facebook messenger now on my wall now on my wall Facebook messenger yeah. <laughs> but I want but we're a family here man let's hold each other accountable let's move on Let's read Matthew 5, verse 10 to 11. It reads, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It's okay if you get persecuted. But amen that, you know, we live in a generation, we live in a country where we can freely express our spiritual views. But at the same time, you know, we can still get persecuted. And I think sometimes that can hold us back into really being all that we can be for God. It's like, oh, like, what is this person going to think? What is that person going to think? And it's, it's funny how we can get so consumed about what people think. It's like, it's not going to matter at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> like we're not gonna, at, at some point, we're not going to see these people again. You know, we're going to see God. Like, that's the person we're going to be with forever. So we should focus on pleasing Him. You know, I definitely, I, I've been persecuted. 
you know, from my family. You know, they make fun of me. They call me Reverend. Or <laughs> I got persecuted in high school. I got jumped in high school because you know, just just being a disciple in high school. It's like, hey, I was fired up. You know, I was like, I was like, you need to come to church. You know, you need to do all this stuff. And they're like, oh, oh really? We're gonna come to church? Well, we know a way to shut you up. You know, and and, and one day, you know, coming from, uh, actually, was coming from uh, football practice, and a bunch of guys circled me. They circled around me. And they're like, oh, you come to Bible boy. And, and they jumped me. I mean, you know, I, I twang a little bit. <laughs> but it's too many though. I couldn't, you know, it's too many though. And then I was like, hey man, I shouldn't retaliate. You know, but in the heat of the moment, it's somebody swinging, you know, it's like the reflexes. But hey man. <laughs> but you know, I got, I got jumped, and, and it definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but because of that situation, I shrunk back. I shrunk back a little bit. I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna talk about God at school. Like, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna go to church. I'm still gonna do all that. But like, I don't want to deal with that again. Um, and just looking back at that situation, it's like, man, I wish I could do it all over again. Cause I'm like. Hey, you know, like, you can beat me up all I want, all you want, but I know the truth, you know. Amen. Um, all right, we're coming to a landing here. Matthew 5, verse 12. It reads, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So if we live out the Beatitudes, we are promised a reward at the end. And that's heaven. Some of us might have had a hard week this week. Some of us might have had an easy week. You know, but when you look at the Beatitudes, it challenges. It challenges our heart. You know, the one thing that we can all relate to is that we're not going to be perfect. We're not always going to live out the Beatitudes. But let's keep fighting. Let's never lose sight of heaven. God is waiting for us there. He wants nothing more than for us to be there with Him. Do whatever you have to do to get there. At the end, we need to say the following. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy 4, starting at verse 6. It reads, Fire am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which is which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Will you be saying this 
at the end of your days here. I can't wait to see what heaven is like. You know, people would be dancing and singing and playing games. And tonight we get a little glimpse of that. You know, we're having a dance party tonight. Amen. Right across the hall. And we get, we get a chance to dance and party with our brothers and sisters. That's going to be a little glimpse of what heaven will be like. Brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage you with this. Let us not lose sight of heaven. Amen.